you already know you're going to eat some of those McDonald's golden fries on the drive home. So, you may as well add an extra order just for that. <laughs> okay, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations, on multiple systems, on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you keep. That's obvious. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. To reduce costs and headaches, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. Here's the thing. Information is power. Information is money. Literally, the currency of today's world of, of entrepreneurship is information. And if you could bring all of the, your, the information about your business into one dashboard, this is incredibly valuable. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of the truth about your business. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite and you're improving efficiency by bringing all of your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. This is so valuable. You just hit a button and you can see all the information about your business instead of having to like call five different departments and get all these emails and put it all together and make sense of it. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit with NetSuite. Backed by popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. netsuite.com slash james. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show. So 2023 was kind of a sucky year. And I, I mean that in the most personal sense, but also in a broad sense. Like, okay, COVID 2020, 2021, Maybe 2022, we were just getting out of COVID. So what was 2023 all about? And I'm going to talk about this in the context of how you can think about 2024 to improve your life. And I feel like 2023, the world, this is going to sound a little weird, but the world was a little bit on pause. Like we didn't really know which direction or what direction the world was going in. Like, on the one hand, geopolitically, it's just a train wreck out there. Like every scenario, like if you watch a movie about, oh my gosh, World War III is coming, it might be a movie about 2023. Like everything that's going on in 2023 seems like a precursor. Like people were talking about the Bible and like this might be the end times. Like that's pretty scary because there's all this conflict in the Middle East and it's horrible conflict. There's these w proxy wars in Russia, Ukraine. There's the entire world is looking at what's going on in these sort of proxy wars that are happening around the world. Meanwhile, the Federal Reserve was, first they were panicking about inflation, and now it seems like everybody's panicking that there might be a recession. 
I'll talk about that in a second. You know, which is it? Is it, is it inflation or a recession or both, which is called stagflation? Then we have everybody's nervous next year about politics and the presidential election. I'm going to make one prediction about the presidential election. Hear me out. Everything you could possibly predict right now is not going to happen. So I think I think 2024 is going to be totally unpredictable in a lot of ways. And right now, everyone's going on TV, telling their predictions for the year. But here's the only thing I can predict is that it's unpredictable. So what did you say, Jay? I'm just curious. What if, what if it's an Asian president? Asian became a president of the United States. Who Asian is running? I don't know. It's unpredictable, right? So maybe the running... Asian running uh, mate or, or candidates is not running yet. Yeah, that could be. So, okay, tip number one for, for after you listen to this podcast, Google Ronnie Cheng, C-H-I-E-N-G, and his he has this one clip about why Asians should rule the world. <laughs> and uh, was that the clip, Jay, what he talks no, about? he was, I think, I think the, I don't know right. if it's the clip, but we saw it in person, which is uh, why Asian would be the best presidential candidate for United States. Yeah, so Google that. Ronnie Chang, funny guy. You've seen him in movies. But okay, that's tip number one. We'll give various tips throughout this. Meanwhile, my prediction about un about unpredictability is that Biden will not be the nominee for the Democratic uh, nominee for president of the United States, and Donald Trump will not be the Republican nominee. So these are the things that seem like no-brainers. Like if I go to predicted.org, let's go to our favorite gambling site, I love gambling on politics. But right now, Donald Trump, they're giving him an 80% chance of winning the Republican nomination. And Nikki Haley is second with a 14% chance. Ron DeSantis is amazingly with six cents. Vivek Ramaswamy, five cents. Uh, and for the Democratic nomination, by the way, Donald Trump is, and predicted.org, Donald Trump is more likely to win the, the Republican nomination than Joe Biden is to win the Democratic one. So they give Joe Biden a 73% chance and Gavin Newsom, 18%, Kamala Harris, 7%, Hillary Clinton, 3%, and Pete Buttigieg, the Secretary of Transportation, 1%. Is he running? No, he's not running. They're just, you know, just like Kamala uh, Harris is not running, but they're giving her, the reason they're giving her a 7% chance is because they're saying there's a slight chance Joe Biden could die, Kamala Harris will be the new president, and then she would be the presidential nominee for the Democrats. So, gotcha. uh, so, but I would vote no, or I would bet no on both of those. So you're getting a bargain, I think, on both of those. And I think you'll make money because even if one of them um, doesn't get the nomination, you're going to make a huge amount of money. Now, I, when I say huge amount of money, the maximum you could bet on predicted.org is $1,000 per, per bet. So knock your socks off. Uh, but so what were you about to say, Jay? I just want to say this is not a uh, gambling advice for anyone that's out No, it is gambling advice. I am giving gambling <laughs> advice. I would I would gamble, I would bet no on both of those people. And I'd bet no on Kamala Harris too, but I certainly but you know that's not worth it. You only want to make gambles that are worth it, where the risk reward is there. So I think if you just get bet no on one of those. It's not a good risk versus reward bet. But if you bet no on both of those, I think it's extremely likely that at least one of them will not be. I think both of them won't be the nominees, but I think it's extremely likely that it won't be the case that both of them are the nominees. So you can make a lot of money if you bet no on both. That is official gambling advice, and uh, but you can't hold me to it. So it's not a normal period right now. So 
what does a normal period mean? Like from 2010 to 2019, that was sort of normal. We were in between the financial crisis and COVID and just, it was business as usual. Yes, we had weird elections and so on, but whatever. But now everything's a little bit weird. Like what's going on with remote work? What's going on with cities? What's going on with the economy? What's going on with the Fed? What's going on with all these wars? What's gonna go on with the election next year? What's going on with crypto? What's going on with AI? All of these things are very confusing. And to be honest, it's a little bit stressful. I feel like I personally, I'm just gonna be honest. I don't think I really had a great year this past year. Not, there's nothing specific. It's not like I experienced any real loss in my life and everything went, you know, everything, you know, continues to do the podcast. We had great guests, continued other business activities. But like, for instance, on, you know, over the past 15 years, I make my living, you know, investing in private companies. Then eventually, you know, they get bought or hopefully IPO or whatever. But because of kind of this post-COVID lag and the Federal Reserve raising rates, nothing really happened. Nothing, no companies were acquired, nothing was bought. So that was like a slow year for me. And I'm still getting used to you know, living in a, you know, I lived in New York City my whole adult life and now I'm living a little north of Atlanta, Georgia. I'm still getting used to that. Like, I don't really have a lot of friends here, although I'd like to, and I'd like to meet, have more friends in general. So I've, I've been starting to speak at a little few more conferences just to, just to meet people and get out there. And I really like my podcast guests, but I feel like I used to do them more in person and then you, you could get build more of a relationship with them. And now uh, I do them remotely, like everything's remote now. So, and I thought I would enjoy that and I do, but I miss kind of the bonding that happens. So, and then, uh, you know, like I've, I've been on this journey where I, th I thought I've, back in 2022, when I started early 2022, I started playing in tournaments or late 2021, I started playing in these chess tours. I thought it'd be right away, I'm gonna get back to my old level. Like no, nothing's gonna stop me. And I did all my techniques for learning and I've learned an enormous amount. I've had amazing adventures and we'll, we'll talk about the concept a little more in a second, but I still didn't achieve the level I wanted to achieve. And that was somewhat frustrating. Like I go to a tournament and I lose a bunch of games. It doesn't really feel great. And then I start thinking, what's wrong? And on the one hand, I feel like I know more than I've ever had before. And that's been very, very pleasurable. Like learning is always pleasurable, but I just didn't achieve the goals I set out to achieve in for 2023. Can, so, you ask, can I ask you something? Like yeah. when you set out, when you went out and set out a goal, like you say you're frustrated and you're still disappointed you hasn't reached a goal yet. Like how long were your, like were your initial thought that you I thought it would achieve? be, honestly, I thought it would be six months tops. Six months. Yeah, I thought wow. like, uh, you know, for a variety of reasons, I thought six months. And now it's been like two years. And again, I think I am actually better than I ever was, but my variance is so big, as I've talked about in prior episodes, like my best moments are really are much better than my best moments were 25 years ago, but my worst moments are so much worse that they average out to me seeming like I haven't improved at all. And so it's hard to demonstrate that I've achieved any goal. And so, you know, and Robert Greene, remember on, on the podcast, I don't yeah. know if it was before that we started the podcast or during, Robert Greene disagreed with me. Arthur Brooks disagreed with me. Like all these people I really admire disagreed with me. Amy Moore disagreed with me. 
Um, you know, she's the author of 13 things mentally strong did people she, don't do. When did she agree with you, disagree with you? When you go on her podcast? Yeah. Oh, wow. So, because she thinks that what I've achieved has been meaningful and worthwhile. Mm. And enough, worthwhile enough, for instance, to write a book, which is what I've been planning on doing. And that's the other thing. In 2023, I didn't really write at all. I mean, I wrote a little bit, but not like, I mean, I used to write for 20 years. I wrote every single day and I didn't really do that. Instead, I've been pursuing this other thing, you know, and is it as, it is as meaningful? Is it, is it, is it as worthwhile? So, so I, I was just, I don't even know. It's not like I'm depressed or down, although I've had moments, but I've really been reflective lately. Like, how can I make next year a little bit different? And so I want to talk about, you know, everybody's sitting around now thinking, well, what's your New Year's resolution? And I've always hated the idea of New Year's resolutions because it sort of feels artificial. Like, why January 1st is the day everyone's going to, okay, it's January 1st. We, the entire planet has to change their lives now today because it's January 1st. I marked it in the calendar, change your life on January 1st. And like 7.8 billion people have to change their lives on January 1st. So I sort of don't believe in New Year's resolutions. I, I think I have a theory why January 1st. I think I'm going through this as well. It's because there's this thing called win, winter depressions. You know, like, you know, you're depressed during the winter because of- Yeah, like seasonal affective disorder. Yeah, so so when the new year comes around, it's supposed to be this grand thing. Like we're gonna be happy on the first of January. We have to be happy. So so it's like okay, now I gotta be happy. So I have to change my whole thinking for the past couple of months because of the seasonal depressions. I think that's the reason why the whole New Year's uh, resolutions comes around. Yeah, and but but I I sort of agree with that. Like, but. You know, also, why is January 1st the beginning of the year? Like, I sort of feel like every year, September 1st, like Labor Day really is the beginning of the year. And the reason I think that is because summer's over and everybody goes back to school. Now, I realize this is only true for the Northern Hemisphere, not the Southern Hemisphere. But uh, it always seems to me like the beginning of a year starts in September because that's when for the first 18 or sorry, for the first like 25 years of my life, that's what would happen is that like my life would change in September of every year. And even when I right. took my first few jobs in my twenties, they always seem to start on around September 1st. So it's like, yeah. it's like our life sort of naturally follows that, that cycle. But anyway, that's another thing completely. I have to say, Airbnb has changed my life. I just love staying in Airbnbs. Like in about a month, I'm going to Cocoa Beach, which is right next to Cape Canaveral. I'm going to watch some rocket launches. I'm going to, of course, be staying in a very nice Airbnb on the beach. And it's just such a great experience. Like the whole world is available to us now because of Airbnb. But whenever I'm at an Airbnb, I always realize, you know, I the home that I left to come to this Airbnb, I could be making money on that right now by hosting and and being an Airbnb myself. So, and I've known people, I had a friend who basically, you know, made a living from turning his home into an Airbnb. 
So if you have a home, but you're not always at home, you do have an Airbnb there. And it's an e- it can easily fit into your lifestyle, and it's a great way to earn some money. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The famous Abraham Lincoln quote says, good things come to those who wait. I wonder, did he really say that? Jay, did he really say that? Can you look that up? Regardless of who said it, that's only part of the quote. The full quote is, good things come to those who wait, but only the things left by those who hustle. Well, if you're a business owner and want the best people on your team, the same applies. And listen, I've interviewed 1,500 people now and a lot of entrepreneurs. I can safely say the one thing consistent among all entrepreneurs and CEOs, the the successful ones, is that it's all about the people you surround yourself. You, if you hire well, you're going to have a great business. And, you know, thankfully, ZipRecruiter puts the hustle in your hiring. So you find qualified candidates fast. This is so important, and I, I want you to try it. You could try it as a potential employer or employee. You could try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter's smart technology finds top talent for your roles right away. Immediately after you post your job, if you're hiring, ZipRecruiter's matching technology starts showing you qualified people for it. And I will tell you that I signed up on ZipRecruiter as a potential employee. You know, I just wanted to see how it works. And right away, it started matching me with really amazing potential employers. So give it a try at ZipRecruiter.com slash James. Let ZipRecruiter give you the hiring hustle you need. See why four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash James to try it for free. Again, that's ZipRecruiter.com slash James. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. With all these New Year's resolutions coming up, I want to talk about the types of things people think about when they think about resolutions. And so specifically, all of these concepts are important. What's the difference between finding meaning in your life, like as as in Viktor Frankl's great book, Man's Search for Meaning? Or what or what is it? Is that different from finding purpose in your life? Is that different from having goals in your life? Is that different from what I've been talking about recently, having quests in your life? Is that different from what I talk about in my book, Skip the Line, having experiments in your life? And then how is that different from things like, you know, what I call the daily practice and choose yourself or what Hal Elrod calls the miracle morning, like these daily rituals and habits to improve your life. And all of these things are related and are, I feel are important when thinking about New Year's resolutions. So with that said, I will begin with meaning. What does it mean? And I, I do think this is all important. Like if you're listening to this, this is what I plan to do. I plan to, quote unquote, write a manifesto for myself, which means I ask myself, what is the meaning I feel I have in life? What is a purpose for myself? What are goals that I have for this next year? What are quests that I'm on? And, and, what, and what does it mean, quest, which I've talked about before here, but I'll briefly talk about it again. And then what sort of experiments um, do I plan on trying? And, and of course... I need to, I feel I've drifted a little bit from my daily practice, which is 
uh, a concept I write about in several of my books, but started writing about it in Choose Yourself, uh, which is, this was the 10th year anniversary of that. And thank you to everybody who still sends me very nice emails. Like it's, it's, it's been very encouraging book to many people and which encourages me. Like I was telling someone the other day, I have to reread my own book because, you know, it's sort of, I remember one time I was going to pitch this TV show called Gurus Gone Wild. Like I know all these like self-help people, like famous self-help people. And I don't consider myself a self-help person, but I can, I know all these self-help people whose lives are just like a wreck. And uh, so I wanted to make a, a funny TV show called Gurus, Gurus Gone Wild. And I pitched it to Steven Spielberg, but his, his, his group said no. They wanted me to do something else, which they didn't end up doing. But there's this idea that, oh, you write this self-help book and then now you're the living example of all your advice and life is great after that. And it couldn't be further from the truth. You know, the reason someone writes a self-help book really, and forget about all the gurus who then sell like courses about manifesting, you know, miracles in their lives and so on. Like the reason you have to write a self-help book is A, you're a writer and B, you went through something incredibly difficult in your life like you, you suffered at some point and out of that suffering, you came up with a solution that worked for you. And it might be the case that it just worked for you and nobody else, but you then write about it. And sometimes that's considered a self-help book. The reason I don't like to consider that self-help is because just because someone, something works for me might not, A, I might've been lucky and B, it might not work for anybody else. So when I talk about self-help, I'm talking about helping myself and I love writing. So I like telling the story of it and other people could choose whether or not they are inspired by that and wish to try similar things or their own thing or whatever. But let's talk about meaning for a second. So Viktor Frankl wrote this book, beautiful book. Well, I should say half of it is beautiful. Half of it is garbage. And people say it's the most beautiful book of ever, but literally only read the first half, which is the story part, not the theoretical part. And the, here's a guy who went to Auschwitz, his family, his entire family was killed. And the only way he would survive every day, the only way he would avoid killing himself was by, or wishing he was dead, was by finding meaning in his life. And the meaning, he had two things that he focused on. One is that he wanted to live his, he had meaning in that he really wanted to see his wife again. And sadly he didn't. And just thinking about it makes me sad for him. But the other meaning he found in his life is that he felt if he survives this concentration camp and this period of his life, he was going to write about his search for meaning. And that gave him meaning in life, enough meaning that he it gave him, meaning gives you energy. And it gave him the energy to survive the worst, most horrific conditions. Like he was, everybody was scared. Everybody was starving. People were dying every day. The Germans were randomly killing people in Auschwitz. And every day he could have, could have been his last day. But what gave him the energy and, and, and bravery and courage to continue is he had meaning in his life that he, he knew he could, he, he could live for, for a reason. Now, is this different than purpose? Maybe a little bit. Like purpose might be um, him saying my purpose, he, he would never say my purpose is to see my wife alive again. Like that was, 
what gave him meaning there was he loved his wife and if if he held on to the thought that if he could see her again it would all be worth it and he would be he would be happier than he was obviously in Auschwitz so that gave him meaning in life to continue purpose might be something a little bit more specific like instead of just saying i want to spread this message i have about finding meaning and value in your life he purpose might be a little bit more specific it might be well how am i going to do that i'm going to write a book and i'm going to write a book telling this story not just that he was going to be a professor and teach classes or give lectures or tell talk to other people about it but specifically that he was going to write this book which he did man's search for meaning i highly encourage it Right. So, read um, so, 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 meaning could be the idea, and purpose is the actions that act to uh, to the idea of the meaning. Right. Like you might think, oh my, you know, I have meaning in life, and that I'm going to seek to increase world peace. And then you might have a purpose where it's like, okay, well, I'm going to join um, Amnesty International and create, you know, and help them and raise money for them, or 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 help them and world situations where I can create more peace. And so it's a little bit more specific. It's like, how do you execute on what you feel is the meaning in your life? Right. And so, so the first part of a manifesto is thinking about it, like what meaning, what larger vision can you, it's a very, so meaning can be thought of as a very large, broad vision. Why is your life significant? What, what will you do in the years ahead to make your life significant and to give you a sense of fulfillment. And obviously it should be something that brings you happiness and satisfaction. And, and look, it might be, you're going to be a great parent or grandparent, and that's your meaning. Like you're going to raise a new generation of amazing human beings who will help the world. It might be that your meaning, and by the way, meaning can change, but it might be your meaning in life is you're going to um, try to be as charitable as possible or, or it usually involves doing some action that helps people spread some message. Or it could be your meaning is you're going to pursue your passions and be the best in the world at something and show other people how to pursue their passions. Or maybe your meaning is you're going to find meaningful relationships and you're going to impact, have impact on all the people you interact with, positive impact on all the people you interact with. Because often I think, you know, there's a saying, the grass is greener on, the grass is always greener on the other side. But really the true saying is the grass is greener where you water it. And so mm. if a lot of times we have these relationships that we just kind of take for granted, or we don't really, we don't, we don't really find as much satisfaction in them, in them as we would like, we just sort of take it for granted and maybe watering those relationships and, 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 and doing it in this impactful way so you improve the lives of the people around you, that's enough to say you have meaning in your life. And again, finding purpose might be a specific mission that you're on that will allow you to accomplish your meaning. It might be the tactics that you use. So for instance, if I want to have more friendships, maybe I need to go to more meetups. And so my purpose is I'm going to go to you know a meetup every week and and try to make as much many friendships as possible to have meaningful impact on them. So again, thinking about, there's probably not much difference between meaning and purpose. Maybe I'm stretching this a little bit, but think about this in terms of like, you're not just a new year's resolution for 2024, but 
make a manifesto for 2024. And this, and this is going to be about the things you value, but start with what's, what's the meaning, the significance, value that your life is going to deliver in 2024? What's going to give you fulfillment? So when you look back on 2024, you say you accomplished this. This meaning was enough to give you energy all throughout 2024, and then you accomplished it. So, can I uh, add something on the meaning as well? Uh, when I read the book, uh, you know, Message for Meaning, only the first part, by the way, only the first half of the second book, part is, is crap. <laughs> it's kind of as I can't get to the second part, but the first part, I think he also talked about having having meaning also gives you hope. Uh, you know, to 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 keep going in your in the life. Uh, yeah, in your like life as well. Like, look, if you're a nihilist and you think that there's just no purpose in life and nothing, that could be very depressing. And in fact, yeah. that philosophy is often associated with with depression. And but having some kind of higher sense of that your life can have an impact on others, I think, does give you you energy. And so, so then, then I want to talk specifically. New Year's resolutions seems to fall under the category of goals, like. Here's some typical New Year's resolutions. I'm going to lose 30 pounds or I'm going to work hard at my job and get a promotion and make some dollar amount that's been my goal. Or I'm going to run a marathon this year. So that's so my goal is I'm going to be healthier and I'm going to prove it by running a marathon. Or I'm going to stop dating around and I'm going to meet a significant other who becomes my life partner. These are like new types of New Year's resolutions. These are goals. And a lot of people start with these. I'm saying start with meaning. So if, if your meaning and purpose in life is to, is to have impact on you know, your kids or family members, this will really motivate the kind of goals you have. Like maybe if my impact, if my meaning in life is to write a book that inspires people, then okay, then I have to turn into a person who's inspiring. And if I'm a little bit depressed or down, I might not be so inspiring. So what will, what can I do to not be depressed or down? Well, exercise is proven to lift up mood and, and community and friendships are proven to lift up mood. And, and having a sense of freedom is part of a, a, you know this feeling of well-being where you feel satisfied in your life. So you have to become, before you can accomplish your meaning in life, you have to aim towards being the sort of person who can provide that impact and value to the world. So that could lead to what your goals are. And this is what the manifesto is for. Well, okay, let's say, my, uh, you know, I want to be more impactful in my relationships with people. Well, maybe I need to live a healthier life. Or for, for me personally, maybe, you know, I need to be, I, th- I feel like this year I wasn't, as optimistic as I could be. I need to have better self-talk. Like I had kind of negative self-talk. And there's a lot of evidence that positive self-talk is really important. Like I was just reading a study yesterday. They uh, did an experiment with maids in a hotel. And maids in a hotel, they asked them, do you feel like you do, that you exercise enough? And they all said, no, uh, we're working all the time. We don't exercise enough. So with with half the maids, they said, it turns out that the amount of work you do when cleaning all these rooms in the hotel is sufficient, is more than the government standards of what good physical exercise per day is. So they told that to half the maids and they didn't tell that 
to the other half. And guess what? A few months later, all the maids are still doing the same work, but the ones who were told that they were doing through their work enough exercise, those maids actually had lower body mass, lower blood pressure, lower cholesterol, and were and less you know illness during the year. So so and it continued. It continued throughout the whole year. So so just positive self talk and keeping and looking at everything in your life as you know everything's got positive and negatives. So looking at you know everything in your life and and focusing on the positives, which is really hard to do, I think, um, will actually significantly improve your life. And again make you closer to the sort of a person who can achieve significance in life. And so, so you have to say, well, okay, what are the things you do in life and how can you make them a little bit more positive? Like, let's say I had some job and I didn't, I didn't enjoy doing it, but I was stuck with it for now, for whatever reason, you're not truly stuck with a job, but sometimes you are, you have to pay a mortgage, you, you know, until you find something new, you have to, you know, keep, working for your boss, you know, whatever. Uh, how can you make it more impactful? Well, maybe you could um, build more meaningful connections with your customers or clients or coworkers and you can help them out in their lives. Or maybe you could be more efficient with time management at work. And then, you know, like we've had people on the podcast who on their commute to work, instead of just sleeping or reading the latest gossip newspaper, they would write a page a day of a book and publish a novel at the end of the year. So trying to find the things in your life that you don't like, but turning them into positives, this could be an important part of your goals or resolutions for the year. You might not think that a few simple words could make you crave McDonald's breakfast sandwiches. But if you listen closely to the sound of me saying, McGriddles, McMuffin, you might be wrong. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now. You know, the other thing about goals are, I feel like goals are focused on self-improvement, which is good. That's fine. So I can say, I'm going to have a goal. I'm going to write 10 ideas a day down, which is a goal that I always have and, and try to live by. And, but really sticking to that and, and marking it off the calendar every day. Okay. I did it today. That's a good goal that improves my life because if I write down 10 ideas a day, I will exercise my idea muscle, become more creative or keep maintaining my creativity and maybe if I come up with enough good ideas, maybe it'll change the circumstances of my life for the better. I'll at least be watering the creativity side of my life. So, so I feel like goals, and again, this is in your manifesto. What are your goals? What are your New Year's resolutions? I feel like goals are about 
improving your habits. Like, oh, I might have a goal. I'm going to not drink as much, or I'm not going to smoke, whatever it is, not smoke as much, whatever. Then I have what I call, and I've talked about before on this podcast, but I'll, I'll just briefly talk about it. I have what I call quests, which are different from goals. So we've talked about quests before, but a quest might be in my lifetime or in the next 10 years, I want to visit every country in the world or every state, you know, every state in the country, or I want to learn 10 different languages or uh, like a quest is something that's a little bit impossible, a little bit improbable. People won't really understand why you're doing it. Like it'll sound a little crazy to people. Uh, like maybe you have a quest, you want to um, go to the, the championship of every sports uh, uh, league. Like you want to go to the World Series, you want to go to the NBA Finals, you want to go to the Super Bowl, you want to go to the Stanley Cup in hockey. Uh, I'm amazed that I know all the championships for every sport, but uh, maybe that's like a fun quest that that you have. And again, something a little weird, something a little quirky, something where people don't really understand why you want to do it. But for you, there might be meaning in it, and 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 in subtle ways, it might improve your life. Like again, I have this quest to be better at chess at the age of 55 than I was before I took a 25 year break in my twenties where I was ranked a fairly strong master. And so I've been on this quest and, and it's people don't understand. Like some group of people think that I'm delusional because 55 year olds are just different than 25 year olds. And my ability really is different and worse. And kids have more natural skills and talents, particularly kids who are working at it. And so, so one group of people tell me I'm delusional. Another group of people think it's frivolous. So you're, so what are you telling me, James? You're going to just travel around and play a board game with what now turns out to be at least 50% kids. That's a little, sounds a little weird. Sounds a little strange. Uh, uh, I was joking with my daughter about this. Like she says, she said to me, like, sometimes you're like an eight year old. And I'm like, well, that makes sense. I'm, I basically love playing board games with kids now. And uh, it's not just kids. Like there's all, you know, it's at least 50% adults and people in their 20s or 30s, but very few people as old as me. And it turns out the statistics are, you could count on fewer fingers than one hand how many people have done what I'm trying to do, which is why many people think I'm delusional. But why go on a quest? Why, why, why find a holy grail? Like King Arthur was going for the holy grail which he never found, why do it? Well, there's a lot of reasons. One is you're going to have adventures. Uh, well, actually the most important is you love doing it. So I might love playing this game and I might love learning more about it and I might love improving at it and meeting friends and, and I might love that subculture. So when I was, when I had a quest of being a great stand-up comedian, I loved the subculture and I loved hanging out at comedy clubs and meeting other comedians and studying comedy. It was so funny. I was laughing all the time. And I miss that a little bit. I feel like I don't laugh as much. But, and I don't make audiences laugh anymore because I'm not doing stand-up comedy. Like it was a visceral, great feeling. So maybe a quest might be just once next year, do stand-up comedy. But in any case, uh, that was a quest of mine for many years and I did it and I had so many adventures. I mean, I traveled all around the country and I had audiences love me, but I had audiences who 
shouted and screamed at me in anger. And I went all over the world, really. Well, right before COVID, went to every major city in the Netherlands and performed comedy with Tony Woods, which was an adventure into itself. Like Tony Woods was Dave Chappelle's mentor. And Jay, which reminds me, we got to get Tony Woods on the podcast at some point. Again, let's um, go. Like Dave Chappelle's even doing a special with him right now. So, and and Dave Chappelle shouted it out when he won the Mark Twain Award for Funniest Guy. Anyway, that was a quest and it changed my life. It made me a better writer. It made me a better public speaker. It made me funnier. It gave me a wider network. It gave me more stories to talk about. Uh, it was an amazing, amazing advent, set of adventures that took several years. And I mean, I owned a comedy club for a while, so I got that experience and just, just a fascinating set of adventures. Did it make me any money? No. Did it uh, change my life? Absolutely. Did it give me a new career? No, definitely not. In fact, it. I wonder now if I could have had a, uh, you know, more impact on people if I did anything other than stand-up comedy, which is mostly useless to other people. But again, well, but we're not talking about meaning. We're not talking about purpose. We're not talking about goals. We're talking about quests where give yourself a break. Do Pick something you love, you always wanted to do. It's a little impossible. Everyone thinks you're crazy, but this is your quest. And it's going to be fun, and you're going to have adventures along the way. And when you're done with it, you're going to have amazing stories to tell. Like, that's a quest. Jay, you were going to say Wait. something? Yeah, I was about to say, like, uh, I felt like your quest shouldn't just focus on like outsider, exterior people. Like, you know, like you keep saying, like maybe if you didn't go on this quest, you could have done more stuff to help other people. I feel like quests- I, I agree with like you. I agree you with know? you, which is why quests are very, I would say a quest is selfish. Like yeah. I'm doing this, I initially I was doing this chess thing or the comedy thing for myself. And then what I tend to do is, and this is also part of manifesto, I, I do feel- it's almost too selfish. And so I create a larger meaning around the quest. Like, okay, I'm going to really explore this from a neuroscience point of view, from a pursuit of excellence point of view, from a sports psychology point of view, and, and on and on. And then I'm going to write a book about it. So I'm, I'm giving a larger meaning around it. But even if I didn't have that larger meaning around it, I would still do this quest. Now, it just so happens that this quest is going to lead to me writing what I hope and what I think will be an amazing book, but so that's the larger meaning around it. Uh, but I'm still going to do the quest, which is I want to just get better and win a lot of games and crush other people at chess the way I used to when I was in my 20s, even more so. But what's happened along the way is I've had these unbelievable adventures. I, again, if I were to describe some of these adventures, which I will eventually, it would it would blow people's minds even all the people who said I'm completely delusional. If I describe what had happened, they would say, oh yeah, I wish that would have happened to me too. So quests are always worth it because they're amazing and you'll be amazing as you become the version of yourself who could succeed at this quest, whether you succeed or not. Um, and you'll have fascinating stories to tell. It's great. I just went to a Christmas party. It's great to be able to tell these these stories. People are are, are love the stories. So again, though, um, your quests don't have to be huge. It doesn't have to be, I'm going to run a marathon or I'm going to learn 27 languages. Uh, I've had many quests, like the time that I, you know, started a GoFundMe campaign 
to buy Greenland because I remember Trump wanted to buy Greenland and then somehow the prime minister of Denmark said it's not for sale. And I, it, that sent me on this whole mini quest of like, well, why does somebody want to buy Greenland? Why did, what does Denmark have to do with this? How can I make a, a crowdfunding campaign to buy a, a country? And I learned huge amounts of things I have, and I had stories to tell, but the whole quest basically took a weekend. And so some quests are mini quests. And I, and I call those more experiments. So, and some experiments could be big, some could be small. Like I, an experiment of mine has been notepad.com, N-O-T-E-P-D.com. It's a website, kind of Twitter-like website where you can write your 10 ideas a day. I don't know if that quest or experiment has succeeded or not. Suc again, quests don't require success. It just requires that you, you go on, the, on that adventure and you see what adventures happen along the way. And so success is not a requirement. It would be nice, but it's not a requirement. And so I've, I, I've done many, many quests. And again, I, I refer more of those to experiments. Like I'm trying to think, Jay, what other experiments? My, my memory's gotten really bad uh, because I have to memorize all sorts of stuff for this podcast like every single day. Do you remember any right. other experiments I've done? I feel like I've had like dozens over the past year or so. You, you always do experiment, right? We, we try X-Coster. Oh yeah, X we tried Coster. to build a competitor to Zoom, which totally this failed. Yep, um, but yeah, we learned a lot about the whole business yep. of uh, streaming. Yeah, that made me appreciate like Squadcast more. Like it's a very hard thing to do. Yeah, and also um, didn't we learn that like on Zoom or in a lot of these streaming platforms, all the video gets kind of goes to China, it gets processed and then comes back yeah, here yeah, yeah. in come real time. Here, yeah. like, like even yeah. this video we're doing right now is like oh. going to China in right now, oh. this second, getting processed and coming back here because there's some company in China that does it for everybody. But apparently not Squadcast. So Squadcast said that they're using the company in Taiwan. Okay. So, uh, so yeah. So that's a company to right Taiwan, there. <laughs> yeah, we're that, in trouble. Yeah, they're in trouble. But uh, yeah, we have that. And then we did, didn't we did like the experiment? Like you, you go on Instagram live almost every day. Oh yeah. So we did that the Instagram sort of like live a, experiments yeah. and that was great. And that was, that did have meaning. So the quest was like, can I do go on Instagram live every day and, and talk about things relevant to people? But it had meaning in that uh, over the year or two after that, and that, I did that mostly during the COVID period, a lot of people you know, a lot of people were scared during COVID and I was trying to interpret the news every day in a way that was a little more optimistic than I felt the news was, the news was being more pessimistic than they should be. So that right. was like an experiment and, it, and that experiment worked and that was like a mini quest. Um, yeah. But there's all sorts of experiments like, oh, uh, I'm going to go for pilot lessons and I might not succeed in becoming a pilot, but I'm going to fly Wait. a plane. And so Do I did actually? that a few months ago. Do you actually? Yeah, uh, you don't remember like John and I did it, um, and John's my stepson, and right, we went on a flying lesson. Nobody, I don't even drive. Like my wife was trying to talk me out of it. She said, "You don't even drive. They're not going to give you a pilot's license." But I didn't get a pilot's license, but I did fly a plane. I flew from basically where I am right now to Atlanta. So it's like a, you know, okay. it was like a twenty-minute plane ride, and okay. and I landed the plane. So it was. Dude, it was that's fun. the hardest part. That's the hardest yeah. part. Yeah, I took off, I, I flew there, and I landed. And what was really hard for me, where I, I don't think I could become a pilot, I didn't understand everything they were saying on like the, the micro, you know, the, the communication device on the plane. Like the instructor had to tell me what they were saying. I just, they were, they were talking so fast, I didn't understand anybody. But 
you know, another, uh, uh, I don't know, another experiment might be saying yes to things that you normally say no to. Like there was a conference I wanted to say no to. And as an experiment, I just decided there was a whole month where I just said yes to everything people asked me to do. And I went on all these wild adventures and it was, it was interesting. And that was like a mini quest. And then finally, I want to talk about habits. So like, Again, habits are sometimes intermingled with with goals, but I want to talk specifically about like how Alrod came on the podcast recently. He has the Miracle Morning where he has his Savers acronym, um, which you know you can read it to see what it is. But I have something I call the daily practice, which is a daily set of habits that whenever I've been broke or really suffering or down or depressed, uh, and I don't think I'm a naturally happy person. I think I'm a naturally anxious sort of person. And whenever I've done this on a daily basis and I try to do it every day, it's really helped me. And that is to just, and and you could fill in the blanks what all these things mean to you, but every day improve physically, emotionally, creatively, spiritually. So this is where you could fill in the blanks, but here's how I do it. Physically, did I sleep eight hours? Did I do a little bit of exercise? Did I eat nutritionally? Uh, emotionally, did I cultivate the important relationships in my life. Like uh, today I spoke to both my daughters, for instance, and had um, a coffee with my wife. So I I feel like I emotionally moved the needle forward 1%. Creatively, I wrote down 10 ideas. Originally I was going to do this podcast on 10 scams to avoid on Wall Street but I switched it to this, but that was my 10 ideas was 10 scams you might encounter on wall street. And we'll, we'll do that episode some other time. And, uh, and spiritually it might mean for some people prayer, it might mean meditation. It might mean reading the Bible, um, or some other spiritual text. But for me, it just means, you know, kind of, kind of surrendering that 99.999% of the universe is out of my control and just surrendering to that, the good and the bad and, and trying to find uh, Robert Greene. I like how he describes it. Find the sublime in your life. Like right now, as we talk, the, the sun is setting and it's setting behind the trees near my house. And that's beautiful. So, so taking moments in your life to surrender and to notice the sublime in your life. I really can't wait for Robert Greene's book on this to happen, but Again, for everybody, they could fill in the blanks themselves. And so that's basically it. Make a manifesto. What, what higher meaning is there in your life that gives you the energy to move forward? What might be, narrow that down to a specific purpose. What might be goals you have that will improve your life this year that, that will help you achieve the meaning and purpose in your life? What fantastic, improbable quests can you go on that are going to give you adventures and excitement and the people around you will marvel at them and you'll marvel at them. You'll say to yourself, I can't believe this is happening to me because it's something you love. By the way, how do you find something you love? Well, that's hard because sometimes we get into these routines and I get into this where, okay, it's six o'clock time to eat dinner and watch Netflix for four hours and then go to sleep and start the day again. So how do you spend the time finding things you love? There's no real answer, but the way I've done it in the past is, you know, sometimes I'll go to a bookstore and I'll, 
it's almost like a magnet. Which section am I gravitating towards where I would be willing to read every single book in that section? That might mean that there's something I love there. Or what did I love as a six-year-old, a seven-year-old, an eight-year-old, a 15-year-old, an 18-year-old, a 25-year-old? Is there something there that I could always wanted to return to that maybe I can return to in a new way with my new experience and, and wisdom and whatever, or lack of wisdom, whatever. Or, or read a lot of books. And it's like when I started day trading, I remember the whole reason I started day trading back in 1999, 2000, was I read this book, Market Wizards by Jack Schwager about day traders. And it blew my mind. I said, I wanted to be a day trader and I started doing it. And so sometimes reading things reading really good books by good authors uh, will excite you. Like the great thing about reading is, it, and, and, and I feel, and I'm saying this to myself because I feel I haven't read as much as I used to, this, particularly this past year. But the great thing about reading is you're like a vampire. You get to absorb the entire life experience of another human being, the author of the book you're reading. You get to absorb that in just a few hours or a few days when they had to spend a whole lifetime developing that experience. So it's like, hey, there's this vampire-like thing that happens when, when you read and vampires have like superpowers and they live forever. So if you could find a way to be a little bit like a vampire without necessarily sucking people's blood out, uh, although it's almost like that in a, in a metaphorical sense, then your life's going to be better. So reading has often gotten me on quests. Sorry, I just, I just wanted to mention, like, when you say you didn't read as much this year, you meant you only read 100 books? Yeah, I mean, that's that's just it, is that I've read the books of all of our guests. So I read it's probably on average two, two or three books a week. So that's, but some, but it's not like, okay, I enjoy reading all those books. And, and sometimes I'll seek out guests after I read their books because I like the book right. so much. But I haven't read a lot of fiction I haven't, mm. this year. I haven't read a lot of books just for... That, that were unrelated to the podcast, less than I usually do. So I, I really meant it that way. But um, I think this quest came out of me being depressed. Like after my August 2020 article that had that backlash I, and Seinfeld trashed me and my family trashed me and friends trashed me and ex-girlfriends wrote articles about me and the whole thing, I think I got a little depressed and I sort of went into my office and shut the door and didn't come out for a while. And then the TV show, The Queen's Gambit came out and it reminded me, oh, I really love this thing called chess, which is what this TV show is about. And so I started playing chess all the time. And then I figured, you know what? I need to give, I need to, it's, I'm wasting time. I'm just playing chess all day and night. And so I said, okay, well, I'm gonna go on a quest. I'm gonna get back to the level I was before. But even that seemed frivolous. So that's why I then put meaning around it. So really this quest was born out of really kind of sadness and depression and fear and everything's changed. Like, you know, I then began this quest, which forced me to improve my life and have these goals and do these experiments and, and reawaken my daily practice. And this has provided meaning in my life where I'm going to write a book about it and hopefully have some impact. And so it's, so the, this notion of a quest not only has given me adventures, it really brought me out of in 2020, early 2021, which was almost three years ago now, uh, I was a pretty, I don't want to say severe depression, but I was, I was down. And, and 
medication wasn't really helping. Therapy wasn't really helping. And my daily practice wasn't really helping at the time. I was kind of avoiding doing it. And it was ultimately finding something I loved doing and attaching some goals and adventures and experiments and missions to it and meaning to it that really catapulted me out of the depression. And even though it's still a hard thing to do, like I'm not always succeeding at it and that's frustrating, it really makes me happy getting up in the morning knowing I'm continuing on this quest, as does doing this podcast. I love doing this podcast. Jay, thank you once again for 2023. How many years have we been working together? It's like it's like the seventh year we've been working together. Yeah, it is. And Wait, I'm forever 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. I have to count on my fingers now. I used to be a, a math genius, but now I have to count on my fingers. 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 20. Eight years. Holy Eight moly. Years. Yeah. Oh it's my crazy. God. Jay, you must be getting sick of me. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm having fun. The thing is, like, looking on the James Other show, it's also like kind of fulfilling because I know I, I'm helping people in a sense, not me personally. I, I, I'm hoping that our show, your show, the James Artichoke show has an impact on other people's lives and, and, and also give other people meaning. And, and, and we see it from just the letters and the emails we get, like send me an email at altachurch.gmail.com if you want to say hi. I would, I would love it. And subscribe to this podcast so that we go up in the rankings and continue to, to build audience and get great guests and share this with your friends if you want. And... For now, um, you know, hopefully this was useful and we'll be back to our regularly scheduled podcast in uh, the next day or so. So thanks so much, everybody. Thanks, Jay. Thank you. You might not think that a few simple words can make you crave McDonald's breakfast sandwiches. But if you listen closely to the sound of me saying, McGriddles, McMuffin, you might be wrong. From their innovative practice facility to unmatched views from the fairway, the PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with 5G solutions from T-Mobile for Business. Together, we're using AI-powered analytics to expand coaching tools and bringing fans closer to the pros with 5G-connected cameras. This is game-changing innovation. This is the PGA of America with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at T-Mobile.com slash now.